Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. It's been over four years since I started this podcast. This is episode number 414, and the whole purpose behind this was I believe that success leaves clues. So four years ago when I started doing this podcast, my thought was get some really smart people who are doing really cool things to come and share their story. And no matter what, both myself and the listeners of the show, we are going to learn something from everybody. So I interview business leaders, business owners, people with large companies, solopreneurs, and everything in between, and even some people who have jobs but just have that entrepreneurial spark. Because what I've found is the more we talk about the success, the more I have learned that there are lots of paths to being able to get there. So before I get started today, I've got to thank one of the sponsors of this episode. So many of you offer physical products to your fans and customers. And dealing with that physical stuff, that can be a pain, and it steals your precious time having to pack everything up and go to the post office. Well, my friends at Amplifier blend order fulfillment, screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you fully control. They can integrate your e-commerce shop and help you drive any giveaway campaigns that you do. Hey, they are great for big internet powerhouse companies, as well as entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And on-demand means no inventory. But as you grow, you can stock up on inventory, and Amplifier will handle that for you too. Jump over to amplifier.com slash cool things and sign up today. So speaking of today, today I have Betty Garrett with us. And Betty is somebody who has had a very eclectic career. I love the fact that she started off working for an airline and then did some other things. But, you know, for since, you know, like 20 years, she's run her own business, doing her own thing, carving her own path called Garrett Speakers International. Now, those of you who listen to this show know that I make my living and have for the past coming up on a decade as a professional speaker. And so people who run speakers bureaus, they're important in my world, but I find them fascinating because it's an interesting business line that a lot of people out there don't even know what it is. So I wanted to invite Betty on the show, not only to share her path, but to talk a little bit about how she's had longevity as an entrepreneur, and then maybe share a little bit about what is a speakers bureau. Because if you plan events and you don't use a speakers bureau, Maybe you want to. So, Betty Garrett, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. It is wonderful to be invited. And, and I, there's just one thing I want to say. You said you interviewed smart people. <laughs> Where did I come into this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Betty. You're pretty smart. I've been, I've been tracking you for a long time. You, you know a lot of stuff. Now, before we got started, you told me that, that your goal was to work for an airline, so let's go back to those days. I don't know what year that was, but it was a long time ago. You wanted to work for an airline. What did you do, and, and what was your role with the airline? Oh, my main goal in life was to move to Dallas and work for an airline. And so I called American Airlines, got a receptionist that was not fun to talk to, called Braniff. They were hiring, implied over there, and ended up in reservations because my butt was too broad to fly. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> So I ended in reservations and loved it. 
worked for them for 16 years until uh, they went bankrupt for the first time. Then I started doing sundress. I worked for a travel agency and all that sort of stuff, and then ended up working for Meeting Professionals International that was moving from Middletown, Ohio to Dallas. Mm. They were looking for a manager of education, and so I went and applied. Sure enough, I got it, and I was hiring speakers and trainers for the various programs that we hosted. Well, MPI is a great organization, and and I've done some work for them. And of course, you know that must have been an interesting place to sort of cut your teeth as far as the both the association world and the world of of speakers. Well, it was most I had not worked for an association before, so it was incredible to be with so many people and. So many uh, members who are meeting professionals, you know, always want to do their do your job better than you do. But that's okay. That just runs in the family. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to know a lot of professional meeting professionals, and then I got to know a lot of speakers and trainers. And I also went to work for another association, Young Presidents Organization, doing the same thing. And I did more international travel with them. Than I did with MPI. Then I came back to MPI and they were still, you know, looking for another manager of education. I filled that position and finally I just said, you know, back in 1993, if I'm going to work this hard, I might as well (laughs) hang up the shingle and start my own. So 1993, that's 25 years ago that you hung up your own shingle and started Garrett Speakers International. Why did, of all the things in the association world, why did you pick working with speakers and placing them uh, into the roles that they serve? Tom, it just made sense. It was it was because of the relationships I had built with speakers and trainers while I had worked for MPI and YPO. It just made sense for me to open up a bureau and start working with speakers directly and with some of my clients that I had a network because of MPI. So the speaking industry has changed drastically in 25 years. Why don't, why don't you take us back? Take us through some of the, the changes. Because a lot of people who listen, they know that I do this for a living, but they really don't know what it is. People from the outside see the world of speaking as, as one thing. They think everyone is Tony Robbins or Colin Powell. But well, yeah. It, but it's a, it's a very broad, different business. But what was it like 25 years ago? Well, let me clarify what a bureau does. Uh, a speaker's bureau will... We actually are the conduit or we are a piece of the pie for the meeting professional where that if they need a speaker for a convention or a sales meeting or even a training meeting, whatever that is, what if it's diversity and inclusion, you can call a speaker bureau because we have our fingertips at the thousands of people out there and we work with only the best. So we also, I always say that a speaker's bureau is like insurance in case you go to a speaker directly. And if he cannot make the event because of illness or weather or whatever, you've got the insurance policy of having a bureau who can step in at the, at the last moment and fulfill that need. Because what if you do go and all of a sudden you're there with 4,000 attendees in front of you and you don't have your speaker? Well, you call a bureau. And, and that, it, while it doesn't happen, well, it doesn't happen very often. I have actually been called in Austin through mm-hmm. uh, the Austin uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau and through some hoteliers. Oh right. my gosh, are you in town? I have a client with six hundred people expecting a keynote at lunch, and the person is snowed in in Chicago. Can you be down here? And 
I, you know, I can probably only count it on two hands in, in 10 years, but I've had it happen six or seven times where I've had to fill in because somebody was sick or, or snowed right. in somewhere. Well, and, and had they not known you, who would they have called? Mm-hmm. So I am an advocate for, I want to be a strategic partner for the speaker and for the client because I can't do my job without either one. And if I can help whether it's at the last moment or if I can help you strategically and plan your next speaker for the next year or so or whatever that is, I'm here because I want to be accessible to you and to the client and to help the client solve their problems if they're having an issue within the business. And that's what I really do is is solve problems through professional speakers. So what are some of the changes in the speaking business that have taken place over two and a half decades? Oh, Tom, used to, you could pick up the phone and call and get, them, get the meeting professional immediately on the phone. Not, not so much the, the times. And, Sto- story of my life. <laughs> and we used to send out packets. You remember the old packets with your video and all the promotional materials? That's gone by the wayside because of internet and technology. And so it's, it really has... Good news, bad news. I all of my business now is coming through the internet, through emails, or yeah, it, the phone rings very does not ring very often, and I miss that because that's where I get my charge. That what gets me pumped up is talking to the person on the phone, whether it's the speaker or the planner. But uh, at some point in time. You do have to pick up the phone and call the planner and find out exactly what it is they're looking for and and find some other things like the objectives of the meeting and the demographics and all that. Because if I'm going to be the expert and know who's out there, I've got to know what's behind the scene. What kind of a group is it? Because if it's a young millennial group, I don't know that I would send a speaker who's 60 years old because they would not be able to relate. So there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of, and, and our, our business or our economy or our business is, is changed to the economy. You know, in good times, we have lots of meetings and lots of travel and lots of meetings and, spe- and conventions. And then when times are tough, back in like we did in 2008, things were tough back there. You didn't have as much going on as we do now. Well, that's actually when I started my business. I don't, I don't know if you know this story, but I got laid off on April 1st, 2009, which arguably yeah. April of 2009 was the bottom of the recession. That was the worst of the worst. And there were no jobs for you know senior marketing people in services firms. And so yeah. I, I decided to follow my dream and go be a speaker. And people were like, how did you do that in the recession? Well, what happened was is that so many of the associations were holding off on hiring speakers because they didn't know how many people were going to be able to travel uh, to their association meetings or if people were going to come at all. And their fees that they were used to paying, they, they were holding back on that. And I was brand new and I was, you know, I was like, I'll do it for $1.95 and a chicken dinner. <laughs> And I developed a reputation because my topic at the time was talking about how do you how do you network better in a world where everybody's moving to the smartphone because the smartphone right. was brand new and social media was exploding. Everyone thought they were predicting that live interaction, live meetings, but also live networking was was going to go away. And I always had the attitude that. Yeah. 
you know, that a like, a link, a share, and a follow was never going to replace the relationship. And so I was teaching people how to do that. Well, the associations loved that at the time because everybody was looking for jobs. And the number one way you get a job was through your network. So my topic was hot. I was new. I was willing to negotiate and work with whatever they had. And so right. I, that first two years, <clears throat> I was on fire because of that. Well, good for you. At least you found the niche and what you needed to do in order to grow your business and to stay, you know, stay on the radar of everybody. But the thing about it is everything has changed. Uh, there will never, ever be a replacement for face-to-face -face meetings as long as I'm alive. I hope I never see it because there's too much learning going on between face-to-face -face meetings. Oh, without, and, without okay. question, they say 2018 and probably 2019 will top it have been the record for live face-to-face -face meetings. So over the 10 years where people thought it was going to go away, all it has done is multiplied. People are more hungry than ever to connect with other people face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. And, and that's another thing that People are developing more skills, more personal skills, more soft skills because of the face-to-face -face meetings. Some of us, some of our, our attendees are tied to their phone and some of the social skills are lacking. And so this is a good way for them to learn how to network and, and have a conversation. Well, and that's one of the reasons, you know, you were talking about millennial groups. I actually this year spoke for about eight or nine different young professionals groups because that group is hungry, I think, for how do we get out there, put the phone down, and actually connect with people? Because they're seeing the people within their generation who do that are yeah. actually the ones who are pulling ahead now that they're getting older. And everybody's like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean, you know, I have to have human-to-human -human engagement with people? Well, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a new world. And, and as an entrepreneur, you have to recreate and recreate and recreate if you want to stay. You either thrive or die. And so now is the time... Uh, to continue marketing yourself, continue marketing your services. You've got to find your niche and, and have a support group. Well, you just said something interesting. You either thrive or you die, and you're thriving. In fact, this year you've won a couple of awards, and you know, you've been in business a long time, and you know a lot of these awards you won one of the top Business Women in Dallas awards. And you know, let's talk about that. How, how is it that you're thriving at this stage of your career? I refuse to give up. I don't care how old I get. I am not going to retire as long as my health stays good. And, you know, this is this is what makes me tick is being with people. And, and I love what I do. I get frustrated. Yes. But yes, it was a humbling experience for me to win Women in Business by the Dallas Business Journal. I looked on stage at the other honorees and I hate to tell you, I was the oldest one there, but I thought, isn't that a hoot? <laughs> so where are all the other more seasoned people? Where are all the other, you know, people who've been in business for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years? How come they weren't up on that stage? How come it was populated by younger people? Um, I think people who get our age, my age, retire and go be with family and travel and all that sort of stuff. And even I, I don't have that luxury. And uh, my husband died 14 years ago. But still, even if he were alive and we were able to do things, I, I would still be doing this. So what do you love then about the fact that you left the airlines, you left the association, you started creating your own path in the world? What do, what do you love about it? I love, well, it's a love-hate relationship. 
I love it because being an entrepreneur, the buck stops here. And the thing about it is I'm accountable to myself and to my clients. Uh, I love the freedom to be able to do things differently or change things up a little bit differently. I don't have to worry about politics or the bureaucracy. Um, I love that I know that what I do affects the bottom line, not only on your company and, and the speakers and the client, but it also, you know, embraces my bottom line. So I love to see the the relationship with making the right decision and having the impact on the bottom line. However, what I don't like about the business is that it's a bell curve. If I could figure out a way to keep steady income through this, I would be the richest person in the whole wide world. But it's a bell curve. It's up and down. And so as an entrepreneur in this business, you better be able to sustain it. I would even suggest having your own little, quote, board of directors so that when, you know, you need to brainstorm and, and continue recreating because things are going at such a fast pace, you cannot depend on what you did five years ago or two years ago. You just can't. So the only thing I don't like about it is that it's, it's just the, the cash flow. It's not an even steel cash flow because being an entrepreneur or being a boutique owner, you probably most of it is done by you. And if you do hire several people, you know, there's just not that much margin makeup in the bureau business to hire or be, or nor do I want to be the 500 pound gorilla. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the same for the speaker. I mean, I live and die based on the contracts that I get and, you know, in order to be able to, to, to make it work and I support my, my family, you know, doing it, I have to make sure that, uh, you know, I don't take on too many expenses because that is definitely, that is definitely the, the downfall. I've seen a lot of small business solopreneurs, BM speakers or anything else, you know, take on too much expense. And then when they have those downtimes, it really does get a little lean. Right. Right. And, and, and I caution entrepreneurs, don't try to spread yourself too quickly, too fast, because you better have everything in place, your business plan, uh, your research, have, you know, have your research done, have done your homework and know where you're going and then be willing to take a calculated risk. Well, I think that's that's a huge part of it. You've got to take, you've got to try new things. You've got to take some risks. So one of my mottos that's come out of my new material has become try new things. And that's something that over the last year I've tried to do with my business and some of it's worked out and some of it hasn't, but where it's worked out, that has been where the greatest gains have come. So I think if you if you continuously think, well, it's always worked this way, I'll just keep doing it the same way, the best you can do is get the same results. So you have to you have to shake things up a little bit, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you do the same things over and over, you're going to get the same thing over and over. And if you want to grow or if you want to even stay with the curve, you better make the changes. So what if you fail? Look what you've learned from your failures. So oh, absolutely. you fact, just build on it. Yeah. I mean, I teach people that by trying new things, whether you win or you lose, you become smarter and stronger. So why not try new things? You've got, That's you've right. got you know, I mean, don't, you don't, don't try, try stupid things, things, but you know, yeah. How do you know if it's going to work or not? Absolutely. So be willing to, you know, bite the bullet, either fish or cut bait and go on and do it. 
So, Betty, you've been in business a long time, and by the nature of who you work with, at least on the speaker side, you've seen a lot of people who have been entrepreneurs, and and some businesses have flourished and some haven't. And one of the things is is there's a gap out there between potential and results, because there's a lot of people, no matter what business they're in, when they launch their business, all their friends are like, oh, my gosh, look at how much potential they have. They're going to crush it. Some of them go across that gap, and some of them fall into the abyss. What do you think is the delta that really helps people do more and accomplish more rather than have potential and never realize it? Good question, Tom. I think when you open up your business, don't think build it and they will come. That doesn't happen. You have got to be, I call, a shameless self-promoter. You've got to go out and sell. And if you're afraid to go out and sell or call or meet somebody new, you're not going to make it. So be, be a people person, be willing to step out there, be willing to take the risk, uh, you know, get out of your comfort zone. If you're going to grow your business, if you're going to sustain this business, you better be willing to go the extra step. Yeah. I mean, that's, I hear that from entrepreneurs all the time that, you know, the number one thing that comes up is action. If you don't take action, you're never going to get across that gap. So, Betty, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Betty Garrett. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Betty, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Tom, I just opened up another division with GSI, and that is coaching speakers who have at least three to five years of experience. And I call it how to get Bureau ready. Bureaus are another marketing arm for those speakers who are ready for bureaus. And you've got to be ready. You cannot have a wannabe speaker. I'm talking about somebody that's been speaking and understands the business for three to five years. And if they want to go to a higher level in their speaking level, I can help them grow that segment. That's what I do is coach speakers to go to the next level and how to attract other bureaus and how to, to attract more uh, potential business. So, so two things about that. One is I'll just tell everybody last year, Betty allowed me to jump on a phone call with her and she gave me just a little friend to friend coaching about being bureau ready. And, and two things. One is she helped me tweak some things. Two is she let me realize that I don't have to freak out about my relationship with bureaus. They will come or they won't come. But what's the biggest mistake that speakers make when they think, especially new speakers, they think, oh, I'm going to find a bureau and I'm going to be famous. And we all know that's not true. What are, what are some of the misnomers about from the speaker oh. side of things about what you do? God love the new speakers or God love the speakers that think bureaus are going to just, you know, work for them 24-7. No. Bureaus Use them as another marketing arm. We are not your 24-7 manager. We have other fish to fry. Hmm. You're not the only one in the pool. Now, there are some hybrids out there that have 
formulated over the years, and I'm talking about speaker management, which is a little bit different than a bureau. A bureau has speakers at their fingertips that they can call depending on the expertise needed. A speaker management will take several man, will take several speakers and manage them for whatever length of time. And so they will only sell their speakers that they manage, whereas I'm not limited to who I can sell. I can sell anybody I want to, except with the, a few exceptions with, you know, like um, your Colin Powell's, your, your yes. presidents some, and all that sort of stuff. Some of the celebrities have exclusives, isn't that right? Right. But not all celebrities are exclusive. And so that's a whole different category. But uh, no, you've got exclusivities, you've got bureaus, you've got big bureaus, you've got boutique bureaus, and then you have speaker managements. And and that seems to be the wave rather than staying with the bureau business. So I definitely think if someone's looking to learn more about the business, I think that you're a great investment for them to be able to go through and figure that out. Because I will tell you, I've been doing this 10 years and I still don't fully understand what the bureaus look for. I get booked, last year I got booked by seven different bureaus and that was awesome. And then this year I got booked by four different bureaus and it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know what they look for, why some rebook and some don't. Uh, so I recommend, especially if you're on the newer side, look into this new product line that Betty has because that is that is an awesome thing because the, the more you understand, the more you can do. Thank you, Tom. So Betty, I think that entrepreneurs are observers and I know you are. I know that you watch very closely, not just the speaker and association world, but really the business world. So when you look out into the world of entrepreneurs – who do you look at and say, wow, he or she, hmm, they're doing cool things? Interesting question. Um, this, this that I have found interesting is not in the speaker world. It's a, it's a company that started 2014. They were on Shark Tank. They were two guys selling socks. <laughs> and what's interesting, their company's name is Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S. And it's uh, the Latin word, it's a Latin word, and it, and it means bumblebee. Hmm. So what the bumblebees do, or the bees, they, they cluster in hives, and they do better working together as a unit than flying off, doing things by themselves. So anyway, they created this sock business, and, and it was they only had men's socks to begin with. And Damon John was the one who was the investor who decided that it sounded like a good idea to him. Well, their revenue last year was $50 million. Wow, since 2014, that's, that's a big hockey stick. Yeah, no joke, and a lot of socks. But then they, they've expanded their business. They're not only just doing men's socks, women's and children's socks, but the one thing that I just absolutely love about it is that for every pair of socks they sell, they donate a pair to the homeless. Because the number one item that the shelters need are socks. Oh, that's in, that's interesting. And they gave away eleven million one hundred and seventy-three thousand last year. Wow. I mean, and and they're they're not the regular socks that they sell over the counter. They're they are microfilled and and all this sort of. They they are really made for the homeless who who do not have the affordability to get a new pair of socks every day. Mm. And and the reason why Damon John got into that was because of their philosophy in the social responsibility. 
And so I, I applaud the two guys for starting this company. Well, that's a good segue to the last question, and that is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I've found now that I've interviewed, coming up on 400 entrepreneurs, I've found that most entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. They, they want to serve. They want to help. They want to leave a mark. So, so what does Betty Garrett do? Betty Garrett does. She, she started this several years ago. Rather than giving clients gifts, I contribute to uh, a, a charity here in town called Irving Cares, and I do it once a year. And I will donate to them. And then, of course, I give back to my own own community of MPI and to NSA. And uh, I think it's, it's, you know, you've got to give back. We've got to invest. We've got to, I mean, that's just where, that's, that's the nature of us. If you really are in, the, in this business, not just for the money, but to have the fulfillment and to have this mission and to have this purpose and to have this passion, that helps feed the soul. I, I mean, the reason I asked the question, and I don't talk about this on every episode, but when I started speaking, at the time I had a full-time job. So the speaking money was like extra. So the family got right. to go to Europe a couple times and things like that. But my wife said, you know, what do we do to give back to the greater good? And in reality, we gave a little bit to our church on Sunday and maybe if the fireman's fund called or something like that, but we didn't really have a cause. And at the time, our then four-year-old had 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 some serious surgery when she was six months old and she had my my daughter kate had to have her entire skull rebuilt and uh they removed the top of her head and she's fine her head has grown back it's shaped like a watermelon uh i'm sorry it's shaped like a cantaloupe not a watermelon uh it, it wasn't going the right way when she was a baby that's why they had to do the surgery she would have had an elephant man kind of deformity but uh, she had this surgery, and so we started giving to a cause for research for cranial facial abnormalities, and we just tied wow. a couple of percentage points of every speech I gave. We fast forward 12 or 13 years, and it's over $70,000. And the TED Talk that I gave uh, in 2018 is called The Art of Giving Small, and it's all about how $50, $100, $250 checks have added up to over $70,000 over a decade plus and how, you know, Kate looks to what can she do with it in her lifetime. And so I think, you know, I think that's something we all have to do and you don't have to make it big amounts. Like you said, instead of client gifts, that same amount of money year after year after year adds up to become a sizable, really impactful amount to that organization. Well, and, and with being in my community, I want to support my community. And this is the best way I know to support it. I don't always have extra time to go and feed the homeless or that sort of thing. But what money I have and what money I would have spent on my clients, I think my clients would appreciate the fact that I am giving back to the community and helping others. Oh, without, without question. I mean, if you think about, you know, I mean, a, a bottle of wine or a box of chocolate yeah. it, combined with everybody goes so much farther to help to help the good, the good cause. So kudos to you, Betty. Thank you. And, and the other thing is sometimes I will, I don't know if you know it or not, but my husband died with esophageal cancer and I wrote a book from chaos to control, a survivor guide for the cancer caregiver, because that was another way I wanted to get back because at the time, no one had a book on the book. No one had on the market, a book for the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, journey with Jean, I was able to write a book and help those so that if they're going through this, they don't have to be by themselves. And medicine has done such a great job for the patient in giving the longevity and all of that. And they're coming home much sooner from the hospital 
the caregiver is just struggling because there's so many things that you have to do that you wasn't taught. And so where are you going to learn it if the doctors don't tell you what you need to do? So anyway, that's, that's my awesome. other contribution. What's that book called in case somebody's going through that? It's called Chaos to Control, A Caregiver Kind, A, a Guide, I'm sorry, A Guide for Care, mm-mm. A Survival Guide for the Cancer Caregiver. Thank you. That's awesome. Let me go. Just it's a senior moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's all right. But that's I also right. have a website, caregiversforcancer.com. Caregiversforcancer.com. Awesome. Right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you for whatever reason, they've listened to this and they think, I need to hire you to coach me. They think, oh my gosh, it's probably time we work with the speakers bureau, whatever that is. How how in the world do people get a hold of Garrett Speakers International or Betty Garrett? Well, you can go to my website, which is GarrettSpeakers.com. You can email me, which is Betty at GarrettSpeakers.com. You can go to my Facebook, LinkedIn. Better yet, why don't you pick up the phone and call me, 972-513-0054. That is awesome. And Betty, I don't expect to see you slowing down anytime soon. I don't intend to. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank as you. Long as, as long as I've got the good health and, and can keep up, thank God for vitamins, I'm on the road, honey. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and, and sharing your story because it's all of these stories. As I said in the beginning, success leaves clues. And so I'm sure you have just left a lot of breadcrumbs along the way for some of the listeners. So thank you. Thank you, Tom, so much for having me. And I hope I have imparted some wisdom that people can take and use. So thank you. And thank you for letting me be the 414th episode here. (laughs) Well, thank you. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do has gone through a little growth spurt recently. After we crossed the 400 mark, people started listening uh, and telling their friends. So if you like the show... Go tell somebody else. The only way it grows is somebody tells somebody else and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on to quote the old hair to care commercial, which just proved how old I am. (laughs) So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an episode with somebody just as cool as Betty Garrett. But in the meantime, if you want to find out more about me, go to TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. You can find all my information there. And uh, in the meantime, we talked about trying new things. Before the next episode comes out, go out and try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.